This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinker. Hello, hello, and welcome to the studio. I am here today with a very interesting gentleman. His name is Sean Tolan. He is the city councilman in what ward? Ward number two. Ward number two, an elected official right here in the uh, Enjoy Enjoy Cherokee Studios. So um, I was having lunch with this man, and he has some very interesting stories. Before we get into it, I want to know where you were born and raised. Sure, happy to share that. Born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, Tastes like chicken. It's tough, tough in this city. But, uh, you know, sold peanuts and Cokes at williams Bryce Stadium as a, as a kid. So, yeah, it's in my blood yeah. through and through. So you were, you were a, a vendor up there? Like, you know, popcorn, get your popcorn peanuts? You, you got it. A brother, my brother Brian and I um, worked at, at williams Bryce Stadium for, I think, three football seasons. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, a lot of fun. I bet that was fun. Did you get sunburn and all that stuff? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, but we were too dumb to, you know, to, and, <laughs> and didn't have sunscreen back in those days. So you just kind of, you know, worked your way through it. There you go. Yeah. So you, what brought you, how did you get from Columbia, South Carolina to here? So without boring you with a lot of detail, I was a soccer player as a child and <clears throat> I grew up and when I was 17, I left home. Lived in an apartment with a couple of buddies, got tired of eating Hamburger Helper without the hamburger. Oh, yeah. Just a lot of helper. Yeah. And I, I was, you know, soccer was my life. A buddy of mine picked me up in his car and said, uh, hey, I'm going up to Pfeiffer College to try out for soccer. Grab your cleats and a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. You're going with me. Oh. So I did. And I uh, was fortunate enough to be offered a scholarship. It wasn't full ride, but it certainly helped. And I met some really nice people in the... Uh, Registrar's office that helped me get through, um, you know, NDSL loans and Pell grants and all that kind of stuff, and uh, wound up uh, at Pfeiffer College. Where is that? It's in the metropolis of Meisenheimer, North Carolina. It's kind of in between Charlotte and Greensboro, mm-hmm. eighty-five, if you will. Well, you were getting closer to us then, yeah. closer to Cherokee County. Exactly. I met my bride. Um, her first day in college was was uh, the tail end of my. Uh, uh, first week back as a sophomore, as a soccer player, and of course the soccer players come back first. The freshmen come in, and I always tell people well, I sort of had the pick of the litter, and I uh, guess we hit it off. And anyway, we've been married for thirty-eight years now. Um, Congratulations! Thank you. Moved around a little bit, um, spent some time in Lexington, where she's from, Virginia Beach, and then finally landed in Atlanta in Canton, off of Sixes Road, nineteen ninety-four. Mm-hmm. Um, lived there for. 23 years and um, decided to move to Canton in December 2017. You live right downtown? Yeah, right off of East Main. That's amazing. Yeah. A lot of people are moving into the city there, downtown. Uh, so tell me what life was like growing up as one of eight boys in your family. Yeah, um, I guess the best word to describe it is chaos. Um, you know, we lived, I've, I've been back to the neighborhood, I'll tell you about that in a second, but when we lived in a home that was probably 16 or 1700 square feet. We had a, a two car garage, which as the family grew, that got converted into two bedrooms. 
Um, we terrorized the neighborhood. We used to go out and steal gas from our neighbors in the middle of the night, <laughs> go out joyriding in my parents' car before they woke up in the morning. You know, no. In, in fact, I think they woke up to a few uh, full tanks of gas. They're but, like, what uh, happened here? Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I actually went back a few years ago and showed my wife where I lived at 113 Sandy Lane in, in uh, Casey, South Carolina. And Miss Earhart from across the street comes walking over. And I said, hey, Miss Earhart. She looked at me all puzzled. She said, who are you? I said, my name's Sean Tolan. I used to live, you know, right in this house. And she's, her, got, her eyes got as big as a, you know, a watermelon. She said, oh, my God, you guys aren't moving back, are you? <laughs> so, Batting down the hatches. The Tolan boys are back. Yeah, no, it, was, uh, it was. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure Edenwood, our subdivision, was glad to see us go. There you go. So you, so you fall, you told me just a little earlier that you fall fourth in the birth line. So right smack dab in the middle. Correct. And, uh, so what was that like? Well, I, you know, middle, middle child syndrome, nobody listens to you. You know, you go to the dinner at night and you're lucky to get the back of a chicken, which (laughs) as it turns out, uh, I I didn't realize there's so much meat on other parts of the chicken. Oh, hmm. There but, you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot of, you know, negotiating between the older and the younger and trying to keep everybody alive. Yeah. Did you get much time alone with your parents ever as a child? Not, not so much, although my mother and I, for a couple of years, we used to go on early morning walks about 6 a.m., uh, so we'd have kind of, you know, alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my dad was always working. He was in real estate, and my mom worked quite a bit. What was your um, mother's, what was your father's job? He was a he was a, a real estate broker in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny uh, that you know kind of where my life has come, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a little while. But my dad, the community that he served was largely um, low income African Americans. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he had a reputation in Columbia as being kind of the go to real estate guy when it came to to low income housing. Mm-hmm. That's that is kind of coming full circle now, isn't it? It really, it really is. Yeah. We'll be getting to that in a little while. Uh, as a councilman, you are working hard on making some affordable housing here in Canton. We'll talk about that a little later, maybe even in another podcast, but yeah, that is an interesting tie back to your father. He came from Belfast, you said. He did. He did. He was born and raised there, came over when he was 17. He was a soccer player and uh, played semi-professionally in in California um, before he met my mom. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. So, on these walks with your mom, did you talk about you know how you're going to change the world or? Not so much. It was more you know uh, how am I going to get through this day and what does <laughs> next week look like? Not so much what does next year or five years down the road look like. It was more like uh, you know how are we going to deal with the things that we have going on in our lives right now. Mm-hmm. So your mom, um, she, did she have a profession as well? She was a nurse. She was a nurse her whole career. Yeah. Really? Where did she study for that? Uh, MUSC in, in uh, Charleston. Okay. Yeah. And so now she was a nurse. She's got eight boys. Tell yeah, she, she didn't sleep a whole lot. No, I would guess not. And we all went to parochial school, so she did a lot of ironing too. We had white shirts and oh. blue pants for, for uh, school every day and so she did the math for me one day. I think it was, so we, we went to a Catholic church as a child. So, um, so nine gentlemen times six. So that's 54 shirts and 54 pair of pants that she ironed every week. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she's busy. That's, that's a busy woman. Yeah. So um, 
you had, you mentioned to me that your mother, how old were you? You were at what age? Nine, nine years old. What's the difference between the eldest and the youngest in your family? The boys? Uh, 12 years. So within 12 years, they had eight boys. Correct. That's a crazy amount. Of, that's, a, that's a crazy family. That's like almost instant family. They were busy. Yeah, they were. So what happened with your family at some point? Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> I told you a little bit about it, but um, for the audience, um, when I was 13, I think my mom had kind of, we, we didn't have any visibility to this, but my mother had kind of had it with my dad, some of the ways that he was. Uh, he enjoyed the liquid beverage quite a bit. Mm. He was a professional. Um, and he, you know, he'd do, do some things by himself that she didn't exactly approve of. And rather than, and this is her talking, rather than her losing her mind, she took the two youngest in the middle of the night and left, mm-hmm. left the family, went to Germany where my uncle was stationed and wound up after a few weeks in a monastery um, where she worked, believe it or not, with all boys, uh, my youngest brother, she actually took two of them, sent the older of the two back. My youngest brother was five at the time. and So she sent this seven-year-old back from Germany just to come back home to with, be with dad and the rest of the guys. I think he, I think he came back with my grandmother. He sent, she oh. sent, her, sent him back to be with my grandmother. But, yeah, she, <laughs> she, she wanted to send him back into an, envir- an environment that she, she knew he'd be fine and safe. And, you know, as a seven-year-old, mm-hmm. you'd want to be real conscious of that so where did he go then back with dad he went no he went with my grandmother wait a minute we're missing a big part here the names were changed yeah so when my mom uh, got to germany she changed her and my brother james's last name to seton as in seton hall but the but the first names remained the same correct okay james and barbara is my mom's name james and barbara seton okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um so he wound up in the boys' home. Uh, other kids would go home on the weekend. He would stay there by himself in this third floor. He, he told me before he was scared to death all weekend until the kids came back on Monday. Um, in this monastery? In this monastery, yes. Uh, my mother worked for a gentleman. His name was Father Barnabas, and she was kind of his right-hand person. She did everything from, I'm sure, what she did at home, sewing, cooking, all the stuff that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And um, she loved the life and spent many, many years in that monastery, as did my brother. And then now, did you have any contact with them at that point? No, actually, when she left, it was like she went out for a loaf of bread and never came back. She was gone for 17 years. We never heard from her or heard anything about her. My uncle didn't communicate with us where she was or what had happened to her. Did you know that the uncle had knowledge of this? We did not. We did not. It was a complete exodus. She, it's like she vanished off the face of the earth. That is so crazy. I can't imagine what you boys were thinking at that time. Yeah. I mean, you must have been like, where is she, is she coming home? Like a week later, were you still going, is she coming home? Or Yeah, I mean, I, you hear the stories of people blacking out, you know, black, uh, blocking out things that, uh, that, are, that are hurtful or painful. And I certainly did that. Oh, you for did, sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was 13 at the time, so. Horrible I, age for that. I got into some things that, you know, are regretful, but uh, I made it through and, and uh, life goes on. So 17 years passed and you you did hear 
from her. Yeah, she. as it turns out, she wound up moving from Germany to Bel Air, Maryland, um, and joined, I think she, you're not going to believe this, she was a Carmelite nun, so she was a secular nun uh, oh. at, the, at the boys' home. And she did some work with Mother Teresa and really got a fire in her belly, if you will, relative to um, battered women. Mm-hmm. My mom was not a battered woman. She wasn't physically battered, but I'm sure she was emotionally battered. At any rate, she wound up uh, opening, helping to open clandestine battered women's shelters all over the world. Oh, my goodness. And wound up in Bel Air, and that's when we reconnected with her. Um, it was it was based on my then, remember, five-year-old brother grew up, joined the Navy, was out partying, as Tolans will do. <laughs> with some uh, Navy buddies, remembered the last name of one of my cousins. Long and short of it is he wound up getting in touch with that cousin. The cousin let him know, dude, you got brothers. You got seven brothers. And um, the next weekend, we all converged on Orlando. And No uh, kidding. My oldest brother paid for a limo, had the baby, if, if you will, <laughs> brought in. We all had white T-shirts. I get Chill bumps thinking about it. And you're white. in a, he's in a white t-shirt and Sean is sitting here in a white t-shirt. Yeah. We all had white t-shirts on with our names uh, on them. Mm-hmm. So, cause he didn't know who we were and we met, met him that day and, uh, um, reconnected and then reconnected with my mother soon thereafter. What was that like? What was that feeling that all of a sudden you all remembered that you had this brother, never knew what happened to him. It was, I, I guess, um, it was euphoric. It was, it was amazing. Instant connection, instant love. Yeah. I mean, this kid, this five-year-old, handsome, darling little boy grew up to be a young man, and he had never never knew he had brothers, never, you know, certainly never met him, and it... He it, never knew... Your mother never mentioned... The wave of emotion, mentioned. you can't imagine the wave of emotion that, that all of us must have been feeling, or did feel. Yeah. That is crazy. Being back after 17 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you met your brother in Orlando with the, the limo and all of that good stuff. Right. And that was a real happy gathering, I'm sure. Um, but then you met your mother, you said, several months later. How it did was. That, how did that come up? Did you, I imagine you even had to ask, is mom still alive? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure, I don't recall specifically asking that question, but I think it was assumed that she was still alive. In fact, we might have talked about it, I don't remember. But, you know, it took several months before she was comfortable enough to uh, engage in discussion. You know, she had, she had built this uh, wall, probably emotionally around herself, and so she had to kind of personally break out of that a little bit in order, in order to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, I can't imagine being gone for 17 years. You know, you, as you said, you think about it every day, but to be hit in the face with the reality that all these people are back now. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I, I And how do you explain yourself? Yeah. I would think that would be going through my mind. Yeah. Unfortunately for her, she's been explaining herself uh, ever since. Uh-huh. Meaning... Um, she she's never gotten over it. Um, not that you would get over it, but she's she's never gotten. She has she has very weak moments when she just breaks down and and can't really talk because it's so painful for her. What I'm sure she had to deal with um, back in those days. 
Absolutely. So when you did go meet her, or did she come and visit you? Were you all in a room together? Or I, th- I think it was individually. Um, I don't remember all the details. Um, but yeah, there, there was not, it wasn't like an intervention or it wasn't like a gathering. I think, I think we individually, maybe a couple of my brothers met her together, but I, I, I seem to remember I met her by myself mm-hmm. or maybe with my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you, you don't recall what you talked about or how that conversation went? I, I just recall, I just recall her crying a lot and explaining a lot and me trying to comfort her and tell her it was okay. Yeah. Just welcome home. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back into our lives. Looking forward to getting to know you kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. You've had quite, quite a life to have that, to have all these brothers, then your mother leave and dealing with your father who was an alcoholic and it's um, a sordid past yet. You're a very happy person. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, if, 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 if I've done anything well, it's, it's um, I've, I've done well at adjusting mm-hmm. and coping and dealing with life. But as I said before, I mean, there's been so many years after that than there were before that. Exactly. That, um, you know, I, I've kind of moved, moved on and, you know, and, tried to live a better life as a result of my experiences, mm-hmm. which I hope we all do. And I find it so interesting that your mother ended up just enthralled in the religious world and she never would make mention of all of this. I mean, first of all, she had eight boys and she's a nun. That doesn't always connect, <laughs> you know, in my mind. A but, odd. Yeah, a lot. But anyway, it's, um, I can't imagine the secret she was keeping all of those years. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's funny. Um, Jody, ever since then, my she has had moments when she's felt guilt, and you can feel and see if you're with her, the emotion come back, come rushing back to her. And I just try to reassure, as do all my brothers, that uh, it's okay. You you went through hell, and um, look at you. You know, she's 88 years old now and living a very happy life down in Orlando with four of her her uh, children. So she she never married again. Obviously, is that Correct. right? So she, um, with four of her children in Orlando, okay, I would think that you had a rough time being brought up by a single alcoholic father. Yeah, yeah. Um, at one point, there was there was two of us, my brother Brian and myself, and then uh, Brian went to live, Brian and Kevin went to live with my uncle George in Charleston, South Carolina, um, where they stayed for a few years. So it was just my dad and I for a while. And it, that was at the at the very very low point of his life. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he would literally wake up in the morning, start drinking. Um, he would drink all day long, wouldn't eat anything. Oh. Pass out at you know whatever time he passed out several times during the day, and then he'd sleep all night. And I lived with that for oh, probably two years. Mm-hmm. Um. When I was a when I was a freshman in high school, for instance, I missed seventy eight days because I just didn't I didn't have the will to do anything. Oh, well, again, that must have been part of the lowest part of your life as well. Yeah, it was. In fact, I, I dropped out of high school, and when I you know I told the story of the hamburger helper without the hamburger, mm-hmm. when I realized that that's not the life I wanted to live, and the footsteps that I did not want to follow, uh, I went back to night school and and graduated and and. Uh, and as I mentioned, went on to college and, and got mm-hmm. my degree. 
With Northside Hospital, you can look forward to new beginnings, look ahead to comeback seasons, and look up for hope and strength. Northside welcomes you into our community of care, guided by one clear direction, a mission to heal. Led by our expertise in maternity, heart, cancer, orthopedics, and more, you can move into tomorrow with confidence. For a healthier future together, look to Northside Hospital. This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices. I'm here with Sean Tolan, and um, we're talking about life stories. Yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Were you kind of a... A rebel in college then? You were you must have been just focused, focused on I'm gonna get my degree. What did you get a degree in? Um, so yeah, I was focused on my girlfriend who now oh. is now is my wife. Uh, and I did, you know, I did study ish. Yeah. I got a degree in business administration and you know, I was your average probably C plus student, although my wife might argue that point a little bit down. <laughs> um, oh, it's a different C, C plus, C yeah. minus. I mean, I, I was there to stay. I did mm-hmm. not want to fail. So I did what I had to do to, to, to make it happen. Right. And then what would you get for a job out of college? I went to work. Um, I interviewed and went to work for a company called Curtin Matheson Scientific selling laboratory supplies to hospitals. Hmm. Um, probably the, at that point was the biggest success I had ever experienced because I think I was told that I was interviewing against 250 other people and did get, you know, this at the time, very coveted job. So, um, yeah, I did that for the first four years of my career, mm-hmm. bought our first house, had our two kids. Um, and then from there went on through medical sales and had a really, really good, um, fruitful career there. Helped a lot of people. Good for you. And you are retired now. Is that the, what you retired from then? I, I am. Um, I, I, I left that field and went into executive search for a few years. Actually spent 11 years uh, in executive search. Two of my brothers are also in executive search. but Meaning like headhunter? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I worked for uh, one of my brothers for a while and did my own thing for a while. And, and um, yeah. Because of uh, some vision issues, I, I was kind of forced to retire and did uh, did go on disability, which has been a uh, a godsend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have low. You're living with low vision right now. Yes. And when did that start? So in 2015, I had cataract surgery in my left <laughs> eye, and in 2016, I had to, had to have it in my right eye. <clears throat> in uh, 2017, I was playing tennis one day and. Just saw hundreds and hundreds of floaters in my left eye, and and went uh, went to a doc in the box, and they immediately got a orthopedic. I'm sorry, an ophthalmic um, surgeon on the phone. Uh, he convinced me to meet him at Northside Hospital main campus at on uh, Johnson Ferry that afternoon. I was in surgery. I had detached my retina in my left eye. Yikes! Is that something? Now you said I had re- I had. Um detached my retina is that something that happened to your eye or is it just something that happens meaning did you get hit with a ball or was it something that no it's a it's a great question I actually asked the doc that um and there's four reasons why people's retinas detach mm-hmm. number one is early childhood extreme nearsightedness never had that problem number two is sports injuries so wouldn't make sense for me to have one retina detach um 
The third reason is cataract surgery, which I did have. Mm-hmm. And the fourth reason is the more most pervasive, and that is they have no idea. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. So it's likely it's likely that you know my issue was was born out of cataract surgery mm-hmm. because the logic of me having surgery in my left eye in 2015, my right eye in 2016, first retina detachment in my left eye in 2017, a year after, excuse me, two years after the first cataract surgery, and then in 2018 the right eye, which is two years after the second cataract surgery. That that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So you had. You told me about an unusual treatment for this. Yeah, so when they did the first surgery, it was successful for two weeks, and then fortunately it failed, and I was completely blind in my left eye and went back in, and they, uh, Dr. Uh, Alicard did what they call a scleral buckle, which is essentially a, a silicone buckle around your eye, and then they inject your eye with optical oil uh, to kind of keep it, keep it uh, in good shape, and I think that was in there for 90 days, Took it out and it was it was deemed a success. Uh, meanwhile, so I guess, that's not on your eye anymore. No, the, the optical oils has, has been removed. Yeah. So you so it's something that keeps your eye intact, kind of. It Correct. Like keeps it tight. Keeps it tight and keeps it healthy. Okay. Yeah. So I guess the right eye then got jealous. Oh well, and it paying decided, more attention. Yeah, decided to detach. So Doctor Alicar decided to go straight for the scleral buckle on that one. So. We did that, and then fast forward, I've had glaucoma in both eyes. It's pretty severe in my right eye, so we've got a shunt put in it, I don't know, two years ago, and it essentially stabilizes pressure. Pressure too low is dangerous. Pressure too high is dangerous. So, Did the pressure hurt ever? Extreme, when it, a couple times it got extremely high, and it's, um, it's excruciating. Really? Yeah. yeah. So they literally, I mean, not to gross people out, but it, they literally have to stick a needle in your eye to, to relieve the pressure, mm-hmm. and that is the best feeling in the world isn't it oh my gosh yeah to have have you know extreme pain just with a snap of a finger gone oh my goodness yeah crazy so now you are living with low vision and um is it expected to get better or not expected to get better but thank goodness it's not expected to get any worse good yeah we're stabilized the glaucoma has stabilized um my vision my retina is in in you know good shape relatively speaking Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, a, I have a dear friend who we've spoken about earlier, and uh, his vision was degenerating for, mm-hmm. for years and years. So you are very blessed to be able to say you're going to be kind of status quo for a long time. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I share with people whenever the topic comes up, because I don't, I don't talk about it a, a ton, uh, except for my, with my friends, they kind of poke me about it. But one of the things that, uh, that I always tell people is I've, I feel very fortunate because there's so many people in the world that have so many more problems than I do. Mine's just a little kind of a bump in the road. Speaking of bumps in the road, <laughs> <laughs> you got a new little toy, don't you? I did. My uh, electric brand bicycle came in on Tuesday, and, and uh, I think I've already worn it out. You've worn it. You did not. You are, you are like Speedy Gonzalez on that thing. Yeah, 20 miles an hour at top speed. Um, you can still get run over, but I try to stay on the sidewalk. You can still get run over. <laughs> yeah. We, we do have an ordinance uh, in Canton where bicyclists and electric bikes are allowed on sidewalks, so I take advantage of that. Yeah. So as somebody who is uh, on the city council, how, how do you feel about our bicycle lanes in the t- community in Canton? Well, it, it becomes a, a real estate challenge because we, you know, to create a bicycle lane, you have to take that property from somewhere. So it's either take it from the sidewalk or if there's no sidewalk, you have to, 
um, you know, set aside property along the roadway to, uh, to make a bicycle lane. But we're talking about it. We're working on it. I think there's going to come a, t- a time in the not too distant future when we actually have bicycle lanes. We'll have where it's appropriate, where it fits. It'll, that'll be a solution for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Is it on the roadmap? Canton has a very famous roadmap. We do. We have eight tenants. Um, and and uh, we've, we've talked about among council, the mayor and council and, and city leadership, we've talked about um, bicycle kind of things, a skills park, uh, bicycle lanes um, as part of the, uh, that kind of fits in with the roadmap. So we'll, we'll have to see. It's a, it's a working process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of really incredible things on that roadmap. Um, we'll put a link to the roadmap in the notes Excellent. of the uh, of the podcast. So what are some other hot topics that are happening on the city council docket? Well, uh, one of the things that I love talking about and uh, encourage people to engage about is uh, housing, uh, specifically affordable and workforce housing. Workforce. Why is this important? Well, think about uh, new teachers, new nurses, um, firefighters, police officers, restaurant workers, people that may be early career and may not be able to afford, you know, a nice house. They may not be able to afford a, a mortgage. Uh, those those folks need a place to live. Mm-hmm. And currently, we have a, a pretty steep shortage of. Uh, of affordable workforce housing in Canton, in Cherokee County, in Georgia, all over the country, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a hot topic of discussion, one that we're approaching and addressing head on. You are. So we're moving forward with something. We are. Okay. So can you define for me, what is affordable housing? So affordable housing is tied specifically to area median income. Area median income. Yeah, so that the, okay. the, the average income in your area, and our area includes uh, North Fulton County. That's, that's where oh. we get our AMI data from. So it, in, in simple terms, it ties back to the percentage of your salary, your income that you're devoting to housing. The more of that income you're devoting to housing, the less is available for things like food, mm-hmm. medication, um, hey, maybe a vacation every once in a while, uh, taking care of your kids, you know, all the things that come along with life uh, are directly tied to AMI. So if you're over a certain percentage, if you're spending over a certain percentage of your income on housing, it, it leaves less for everything else. So in other words, normally the banks, I think it's the banks or Clark Howard, they always say you should really have one third of your salary goes to your housing. Yes. One third goes to living, like bills and stuff. And then what's the other third? Savings or yeah, or, yeah. or disposable income. Yeah. yeah. So so we're looking at one third of essentially. Yeah. So whatever this median income is, one third of that should be how much it costs should to be. have. Yes. Oh, okay. And what is that here? Um, you know, I, I need to, I need to go and look at the data. I hate, hate talking about this if I don't have the data in front I of me, understand. but I'll, I'll be glad to, to share that maybe in a future podcast or yeah. a supplement or something. But, um, um, uh, one of the, one of the issues that you face with, um, with paying more than that third you, you referenced 
is uh, it, it, it becomes a point where you're completely cost burdened or you're rent burdened and the affordable workforce housing solutions will help address that. Okay. Nothing else will help. Will that also include renting um, rental units? I mean, we're talking about purchasing and having a mortgage, but it's also, we need affordable renting homes, right? Absolutely. So, so you can imagine more, more people that are, that are in need of the affordable housing solution are renters. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the, the rent burden can be tremendous and it's getting worse. You know, the economy, there, there are, there are factors in motion such as rising interest rates, increased uh, labor cost, increased material cost. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a certain amount of greed, unfortunately, that's going on in the in the in the market relative to investment firms that own these apartment complexes or own houses. Um, uh, for instance, there's a there's a apartment complex on Riverstone Parkway that used to be low income tax credit supported. So it would, uh, there was government funding coming in to help support some of the lower rents Mm -hmm. that went on for 15 years. Unfortunately that did expire. And so those market, those apartments went to market rate. So each of those renters got a, got a notice in the mail that should they choose to, um, rent for another year, their rent was going to go up $800 per month. 800, an increase of $800. An increase of $800 oh per goodness. month. And I've, yeah. I've talked at our meeting last night, there've been countless apartment complexes around Canton and Cherokee County. And I would argue in Georgia and nationwide that rents have just gone up astronomically yeah. over the last, just, just the last few months. So, yeah. you know, you think about these people, you're talking about being cost burdened. Some of these people are having to move out to move in with family to move, uh, to be couch jumpers, as they call them, going from friend to friend until they wear their friends out. Uh, and some of them wind up homeless, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a, it's a big problem. It is. It's a big problem. It's massive. So there are other things, maybe we need to change the subject because it's getting really depressing. And you know, all of a sudden, <laughs> are there some other fun things going on in, in the city council that you want to mention? Oh, gosh, yes. There's, there's so much that this uh, team has accomplished and is accomplishing um, we have a new a new uh, arts commission. We our councilor Brooke Schmidt and the team at City Hall are putting together a uh, a very robust art program. That's exciting. It's great to see. It seems like there's new murals propping up all all over town yeah. quite often. Yeah, there's one that was just painted on uh, on North uh, North Street, uh, right next to Stout's Growlers. Uh, there's one going in at Harmon Park, which is another great story. That actually we're doing a ribbon cutting this afternoon yes, at four o'clock, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to that. So yeah, lots of, lots of great initiatives. Um, all of it is, is based on feedback from people, you know, questions people ask, questions people ask and, and they turn into projects, they turn into initiatives and, uh, you know, you, we want to be stewards of taxpayer money, um, and we, you know, we try to, we try to be thoughtful and measured in everything we do, but, uh, so far so good. I mean, you're not going to make everybody happy. Um, and we've had some interesting city council meetings, but, uh, you know, you, you have to, you have to enter this job with thick skin. If you don't, you can either develop thick skin or you need to find something else to do. That's right. Yeah. I think part of gathering that, that thick skin has got to be when you're putting together a campaign to go out on the campaign road. Did you ever think you'd be doing that in your life? Not, not a chance. No, 
signs on the on the on the neighborhood yards with your name on it was that weird it was it was very strange so how how did you decide yeah i want to be a city councilman well you know i hate to hate to be cliche and mushy about it but i i told folks fast forward to the night that i got sworn in i i'm not i didn't want to do this because i wanted to do it i i I wanted to do it because it's kind of my duty Uh and i got that lesson from my mom and you know the the service to others kind of mentality that she's always had and has has today. She's at 88 years old. She's in a assisted living facility in Orlando and I call her the mayor. The she, mayor. <laughs> she's the mayor of uh, of the of the facility that she lives in. Uh but is she yeah. rallying people to get together and do fun things? Oh yeah, no, she's a she's a cheerleader. She That's she is so a cool. cheerleader. She's she's really quite an amazing person. You probably you should do one with her sometime. That's what I should do. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got, you know, seven and a half hours, I, I think you should plan on it. <laughs> she tells stories as good as you. She, she's a great, she's a better storyteller than I am. She would be a very interesting person to, to interview. I can't imagine what it took for her to know that if she needed, she needed to make her life better and how she went about doing it. That's it, a strong, independent woman. Right there. If if I were in her shoes and went through what she told me she went through, I probably would have done the same or would have wanted to do the same thing. I don't know if I could quite pull that off, but I would have wanted to do the same thing she did. I bet that was an interesting conversation. After 17 years, she finally was able to open up to her yeah. family. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, different personalities. You got lots of different personalities, but the way that people approach things is different. So I know she's had different conversations, but several of us have, have kind of rallied together and and determined that this, you know, our, our stories, our communication with our mom are very, very similar. Yeah. Not everybody's the same level of um, readiness, if you will. Mm -hmm. Is your father still around? No, my dad unfortunately died in 1991. He was 58 years old. Ooh, that's he, young. Yeah, he moved back to Belfast. Actually, moved to Lisburn, Lisbon, Ireland, which is just outside of Belfast, with his second wife. And unfortunately, he got pneumonia and died in the middle of the night over there. Oh my gosh! But we did bring him back. He's buried in Columbia, uh, in the town we grew up in. Okay. Yeah. What was your What was your father's name? Pat. Pat. Yeah. So. Do you have a, a a fancy accent? He he he. It would come out if he was drinking a little bit, or if oh. he was super tired. You could you could tell. Um, but not a not a real brogue accent. Then not not, not that not I heavy. expected. Not heavy because when he moved here, he was seventeen. You said yeah. So I would think he'd be pretty. That accent would have been quite instilled in him. You, as I said, it came out. But yeah, yeah I was kind of surprised. He didn't. He certainly didn't have a southern accent. None of us really have southern accents like I'm used to hearing. Um, I don't know why that is, but uh, uh, it is what it is. How often do you get to see your mother? Um, I saw her, surprised her for her birthday this year, June the 15th. Um, I think six or seven of us were there. I usually see her about twice a year. Mm-hmm. We're gonna t- my wife and I, Sherry, are gonna, uh, Sherry and I are going to take a cruise uh, on um, New Year's Eve because she's a teacher at Teasley Middle School and they don't go back until the 9th, so... We're gonna we're gonna stop into Orlando and see her for see her and my brothers for a few days. Hang out with her for a while. Yeah, yeah. I I can't imagine what was going on in her mind every day. She must have woke up wondering where what were her boys doing, how were they doing? Oh yeah. Well, that that gets back to the you know whenever the topic comes up, she usually gets very very emotional. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's there's been so many years since that time that um, I I don't want to say you should get over it, but 
life is too short. I'm 62 years old. We're nobody's getting out of this thing alive. Isn't so that right? You make the best of it. You try to try to help people. You try to make a difference. And that's, that's the message that uh, if I have a message, that's my message. I understand you want to write a book. I, I really want to do it for therapy more than anything. You know, I'm, I'm not looking to make Amazon's, you know, top. Do you seller. have a title picked? No, no. no. Uh, I've thought about a few, but uh, I'm going to hold that close to the vest until, yeah. until I get ready. What's it going to be? A reflection of your life? It's going to be it's going to be a montage of mine and my family's life. I have a cousin Barbara, who is a writer, mm. um, and she interviewed all of us many years ago. Probably I don't know twenty years ago. So th- was this before your mother was back in your yeah, life? No, this was after. Okay. This was after, I, th- I think, yeah. And her plan was to write a book, but she didn't, after collecting all the feedback, she didn't feel that it, that it was hers to own. Mm-hmm. So does she still have the notes? Cause she does. Can, As a right. matter of fact, after, uh, she lost her dad the other day. Um, he'd been battling cancer, and so she's down in Austin with her mom. She told me when she gets back to Knoxville, where she lives, she's going to send me her notes. There so you go. I'll get started on it some probably sometime this fall. Mm-hmm. And I expect within a year or two, I'll have it written. Good for you. That's a really good goal. Yeah, I think so. So you have low vision. Do you have a problem with the computer, working on the computer? N- no. Fortunately, I, uh, I have uh, uh, two computers, and both have uh, touchscreens. So I can, I can move the font size up to super great grandpa size. Grandpa, that's what I do anyway. Yeah. Maybe I have low vision. Yeah. <laughs> I have low visionary. Low I, can't, visionary. <laughs> I can't see the big picture sometimes. So. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that's exciting that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there is. Okay. It, there's three uh, young, short people that I love talking about. Uh, my son, Matt. He's is, short? No, no. He, oh, has, okay. he has short people. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Uh, Matt's very tall. He's 6'2", and uh, he's been married to Lindsay for uh, 12 years, I think. Mm-hmm. And he has two beautiful boys, uh, uh, Leah, uh, she probably shouldn't say their names. Uh, A and B. A and B, yep. Uh, they are uh, nine and seven, light of my life. Yeah. And, Where do they live? Uh, they live in, in uh, Woodstock. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And our daughter, uh, so Matt's 38, Melissa is 35-ish. Yeah, 35. And she has a four-year-old who is also the light of my life. And, um, yeah, get, get to see, you know, take every chance we can to see them, all three of the boys. And, and she, she lives, lives in the in, community. She lives in Holly Springs. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, this is a Cherokee County family right That's here. Right. That's right. So what do you do with them? What do you hang out, play golf, play tennis with them? Or what do you do? Well, um, Gigi, um, my wife's name, uh, grandma's name is Gigi. Mine is Pops. Pops. And so Gigi <laughs> is a STEM teacher at Teasley. And so the older boys are big time into anything science. So oh. whenever we get together, she kind of, you know, she, she kind of plans it out and has opportunities for them to learn stuff and have fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot of fun. Then we, you know, just kind of goof around. We're going, Matt and um, his boys and I are going camping at um, Doll Mountain in the middle of October. Looking forward to that. The little one uh, is a joy. He's a, you know, he's a ever ready battery kind of kid always uh 100, 143 miles an hour zoom quite quite the quite the um so you have three grandchildren and they're all boys yep you come from eight boys now you have you had a girl you have a boy and a girl yep 
And now you have, okay, so your your wife and your daughter are like alone in this whole game as kinda, girls, huh? Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Well, anything else you want to share? Uh, that's probably it for now. Yeah. Uh, you have a campaign coming up again. You going to run? Next November, yes, I am. And I would encourage anybody that thinks they can do a better job than I'm doing to run against me. And if they can convince me that they'll do a better job than I'm doing, I will vote for them. Now, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a really clever thing to say because really what you're saying is we want the best people in the, in the job. Yes. Yeah. So good for you. Well, I, hope you, I wish you well. Thank I you. I hope you uh, are able to maintain a good campaign and pull it off. But if somebody better than you comes along, I'll vote for them too. So be it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, looking forward to it few quickie questions for you. Are you ready? Yo, yo, yo. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Oh, carrot cake. Carrot cake ice cream? Sure. Where do you get this? That would be a cone to pick. Oh, plug, plug, plug. In ding, beautiful ding, ding. downtown Canton. There you go. In the coolest small town in America. That's right. What's the first concert you ever went to? Uh, Leonard Skinnerd. Uh-huh. The original Leonard Skinnerd and Marshall Tucker Band. Together? Yes. At... Um, Township Auditorium. There's, I take that back. That is a lie. I just told you a lie, Jody. I am not. Uh, that makes me mad. The first concert I ever went to was with my dad and my older brother, Michael, and it was Jesus Christ Superstar. <gasps> Jesus Christ. Well, now let's hear that. Is that, that. Isn't that a play? It is, but it was also a musical. Oh. It's the first time I ever smoked a, bun, a Benson and Hedges 100 in the bathroom, too. How'd that go? Did you choke not it up? Not very well. Yes. No? I threw up, I think. Were you a smoker for long? Uh, uh, not for a while after that, but I, I became one and eventually got over it. Okay. How long did you smoke? Uh, a few years. I quit the day that my wife uh, found out she was pregnant with our 35-year-old, so 35 years ago. There you plus go. Plus nine months, I guess-ish. Good for you. Never yeah. sm- snuck one in the back room? No. Uh-uh. no. Good for you. Yeah. All right. Coke or Pepsi? Definitely Coke. Uh, Coke Zero, please. Okay. Ice or Definitely straight ice. up? Do you drink alcohol? Yes. Favorite cocktail? Mm, gin and tonic. Mm-hmm. Right, beach or mountains for vacation? Um, for me, mountains. If you were to move to another city in Georgia, what city would you move to? See, I don't want to move to another city. Okay, I, I take, I'll take that as an answer. Yeah. Good for you. Kayaking or surfing? Kayaking. Mm-hmm. Favorite country you've been to? Italy. Ooh, nice. Would you rather be the president of the United States or the principal of a high school? The president of a high school. (laughs) President of a high school. You Uh, want to run for office, that's it, Probably neither one. Yeah. I love my job with city council, but I don't want anything more. Yeah, you don't want to be mayor someday. I, no, no, thank you. And I'm I'm married to an educator, so I've I, I hear those stories. So no, thank you on either one of them. Is there a third choice? Um, hmm, no. Okay, all right. You you get one pass, and that was it. Plead the fifth. All right. What book are you reading right now? I'm not reading a book. I listen to all my books on on podcast. Oh, you listen to lots of podcasts. I listen to a few. Um. Who's your favorite podcaster besides uh, me? Besides me. Uh, Jody. Uh, oh, besides you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, I, don't, I, I don't have a particular podcaster that I listen to. Um, I just li- I like listening to interesting stories. One of them that comes to mind, I think it's called Shit Town. 
shit town. Did you ever, did you ever listen to the moth? I have not. That's a professional storytelling podcast. It's okay. quite interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to listen to the moth. Yeah. I'm listening. There's a couple of them that I'm interested that I've been listening to. One is this murder story in a town outside of Charleston, South Carolina. This is a true story. A uh, prominent law family got caught up in this, um, got caught up in this murderous kind of story and it really captivated the whole community. So that, that one's interesting. Is um, it about Buford? It's near Buford. Um, I can't think of the name of the it's city. It's not the one where the, is it where the son gets in a boat accident? Yes. I just saw that on TV. I just saw that on a documentary. Yeah. So that one's very interesting. Another one that uh, I re- I'm really intrigued with is the Elizabeth Holmes story. She's the founder yes. of a company called Theranos. Yes. Did and the now did the that whole thing has played out? But are are we not right now waiting for the actual sentence sentencing? Yes, for her and and her lover, um, Sunny. Sunny just got. Uh, I don't think they. Think they're going to sentence her first and then him, but I have it on my calendar. It's I think she's supposed to be sentenced in October. It's got pushed back. It was supposed to be supposed to be yesterday. I was going to say I thought it was supposed to be in September. Yeah, it's it's October or something now. But she's living. She's married again, living with some bazillionaire, and yep. she has a child now. She does. Yeah, and she's the pundits are thinking that she and her husband are thinking that uh, she might get a lighter sentence because she has a, a baby. She scammed a lot of people. Very interesting, weird story. I know. It's crazy. I highly recommend people binge that, yes. that podcast for sure. Yeah. What's your favorite restaurant in Cherokee County? Now, that's not fair, Joey. Come on. Come on. Going coastal. You're going coastal. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to drag it out of you, but I didn't have to do that at I mean, all. If you want to start talking <laughs> genres and types of food, we could. We, I could be here for... 10 minutes. Right. Well, you already plugged um, a cone to pick. Now we got going coastal. Do you ever go to Woodstock? What do you, what's your favorite? We try to stay out of Woodstock. We, we, we actually try to stay within our zip code if we can. Oh, seriously. Well, yeah. That, as far I as mean, your bike can go. Not to be too mushy, but why would you want to go anywhere else? Oh, well, I live in Woodstock, so. Okay. Well. I, and I work in Canton. I'm a real Cherokee person. You really are. That's right. I'm a traitor. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, thanks again. I appreciate all your little answers to these questions. Yes, ma'am. You have a wonderful day. Hope you do too. Have a great weekend. See you at the city council meeting. Yes. All right. Thank you. All right. Get out there and enjoy Cherokee. Okay. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts.